Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the BAR Network, which stands for Biblical and Reformed. Today is episode 31. Join us as we discuss biblical pirate ships. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord has set his love on you and chosen you, for you are the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping his oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandments and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. Well, hello and welcome back to the Locust and Honey podcast. My name is Matt. And I'm Andrew. And today, we've got a good episode. Yes. Biblical pirate ships. That's right. How are you doing, mate? (laughs) I'm doing just fine. Good. How about yourself? Well, I want to hear your favorite pirate joke. Oh, okay. Um, um, I don't know. What's a pirate's favorite letter? R... (laughs) <laughs> I was about to resort to, um, you know, in Finding Nemo where the clownfish, like, is he has to tell a joke and he goes back to the same one. Yeah. And he's like, so there's a mollusk and a sea cucumber. <laughs> no, wait, wait. The mo- the cucumber said to the mollusk. Yeah. and yeah. But then he always gets cut off. Right. <laughs> it's he's like, never you don't know it. what. Anyway. Um, Speaking of so Finding that's, Nemo. Yeah. It's a well-written Storyline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good one. It is a good one. I like it. A lot of Disney movies are not good, but that one's pretty good. Yeah. And Incredibles. Incredibles. Oh, yeah. I like Incredibles. So. Yeah. All right. Well, today we have a cool topic, but before we get there, we need to affirm some stuff and deny some stuff. All right. I'm going to let you start us off. All right. I'm going to start out positive today. I'm going Ooh. to affirm something. And I might be stealing your affirmation, but I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to affirm a show on Netflix. It's called F1. But that's not the name of it. F1 Drive to Survive. There it is. Yeah. That show is great. It's got some language in there. So for sensitive ears, (laughs) but... And sensitive hearts. And sensitive hearts. But it is, it's awesome. So... Basically, what it's doing is it's it's a show that chronicles like the Formula One season from and it follows storylines of drivers and teams and every week weekend or whatever, every race weekend, it follows this. It's a, every single one has its own like little mini story within it. And um, you learn a bunch about racing, you learn a bunch about uh, the teams and all this stuff. but it's it's like, I feel like it's coming out of this um, Top Gun craze where, like, everyone's just got the adrenaline pumping from, you know, getting back into Top Gun and stuff. And now yeah. you've got this and they're, like, a bunch of fighter pilots out there fending them each other off and getting into wrecks and doing crazy stuff. Um, it's a good show. And, and, like, the episodes are the perfect length. They're, like, 40 minutes, so... Perfect for binging, not perfect for being responsible. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's my affirmation. I just got into that this past week, 
and uh, and it came from a recommendation by Matt and I don't I don't regret it. I'm glad I I listened to that one. Nice. I like it. It's uh yeah, that that shows pretty good. I I enjoyed it. You when you get done, you feel like you are a <laughs> F1 um master connoisseur. You know all the ins and outs of yeah. F1 racing. It was good. All right, so I'm going to affirm there's a bunch of different things out there, but mine is an affirmation and a challenge all in one. All right. I am affirming the 90-day challenge, and I'm going to start it, and I challenge you to start it with me. What is it? All right, so though the, there's a whole bunch of different – it's kind of become a fad. A lot mm-hmm. of people are doing it. But basically, the 90-day challenge, you have to drink a lot of water. Um, So I've normally got my big Nalgene bottle, like the big one. I've got to drink three of those a day. It ends up being like, I think it's like three liters of water a day that you have to drink. Um, You have to eat some sort of plan, right? So... Some people do where, all right, for the 90 days, I'm going to eat keto. For 90 days, I'm going to eat whatever kind of diet. But what I'm doing with that is I'm eating my allotted macros and tracking them for the 90 days uh, so that I'm staying within my macronutrients. So, so many proteins, so many fats, so many carbs. And, um, And then you also have to work out. A total of one hour a day. What they recommend is do like a morning workout and then do like a 30-minute cardio session in the evening, whether it's walking or going for a run or swimming or whatever it is, some kind Mm -hmm. of cardio burn that you're doing. Um, And then you have to read a book every day. And uh, not a book a day, but you have to spend, uh, I think it's like 30 minutes or an hour, uh, reading a book that day. And uh, if you falter one day, the challenge starts over until you complete the 90 days. So if one day you can't do something, uh, then you would start back at day one the next day. So if you get to day 89 and then you don't do your two ex- workouts that day mm-hmm. or you don't drink your water, then you got to start back over. So I'm going to start that. And my challenge is for you to start that with me. Yeah. So what the way that I'm thinking about doing it is we go to the gym every morning anyway. So that will be kind of the muscle gain type thing. Mm-hmm. So whether we're doing specific body parts that we're focusing on or doing like the high intensity wide CrossFit style workouts, um, that will be the muscle growth part of the day. And then in the evenings, whether I'm going on a walk with the boys or doing something else throughout the day, going on a run, um, swimming, doing some kind of thing. Um, so you got to do it twice a day, total of at least an hour. So, and then the meal plan, mine, like I said, is coming up with my macros and, Mm. uh, all of that and then reading. And then what I was thinking is if we do it together, whatever book we choose to read, we could kind of talk about, you know, maybe there could be one of the affirmations or denials each time could be on something that we're learning in the book. Yeah. So the purpose of it is to kind of better yourself mentally and physically, but mine's going to be more focused on spiritual and physical, which involves mental. Yeah. I mean, that sounds good. It sounds like something definitely that can be done too. I think some of these fads are really intense to the point that you really have to like you really are going out of what your normal capacity to do stuff would be you know i think the biggest challenge with this one is the working out twice a day yeah but it the the purpose of it and what i'm using it for it's to set you up on a healthier lifestyle because really fads Mm -hmm. don't last anyway like these people that are like okay i'm gonna only eat a thousand calories a day and I'm going to go to the gym for three hours a day. And then after day three, they're like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I don't have any energy. Right. You know? Yeah. So, uh, but what I'm trying to do is 
make this be a jump start for a healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm not doing a crazy diet. I'm not even doing like keto or anything like that. I'm just doing eating my allotted calories that yeah. day. Uh, so then that forces me to track better my calories. And, um, and then, uh, like I said, working out and then reading a book. And, uh, yeah, so I think it'll be cool. Yeah. That's my affirmation. Cool. And challenge. So you've heard it here first that Andrew is committed. That's right. So we'll start that, I don't know, maybe next week mm-hmm. on Monday. My denial, I'll just give it to you. All right. I'm going to cut in line. My denial has been getting myself up this week. <laughs> <laughs> so school has started Same. back. We're getting back into our routines and uh and we're now going I wake up at 5:15. Well, my my alarm goes off between 5:15 and 5:30, but I've got to be up and out by 5:30 so that I can be at the gym on time. And I've been waking up some days at 7 <laughs> with Tiff saying, help me get the boys out of here. Or some days uh, I'm waking up at like 5.30, 5.45 and running out the door. But it's been every day that I've woke woke up, every day that I wake up, um, tiredness has been smacking me in the face. Oh, yeah. So my denial is getting back into a routine of any kind, whether it's working out or eating right or reading the Bible every day or going to the gym in the morning early or anything that's good for us when you first start out. It's terrible. It's rough. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible. It is. Um, Mm Kind of like Psy. Do you ever watch um, Duck Dynasty? Mm -hmm. Do you see the episode where they're getting the... Uh, scuppinons out mm. of the tree. No. <laughs> so they're knocking all the scuppinons out of the tree and they knock them down onto the ground, which they don't grow in a tree. They grow on a vine, but they found a vine growing in the tree. So they're shaking it. Scuppinons are falling down. And Sai starts picking some up and eating them. And he's like, man, that's terrible. <laughs> they walk over. They're like, you're eating raccoon turds. <laughs> scuppinons. So, yeah. Uh. But when you start back something, uh, running... When I started back running, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. It was bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the more consistent that you do it, the easier it gets. So that's my denial. Yeah. Is starting back to something that's good for you is terrible. Mm-hmm. But it sure will is. become an affirmation eventually. That's right. What's your denial? My denial is um, demonizing ideas that you can't refute. <laughs> mm so you're um, denying people that demonize ideas they can't refute or you're denying ideas you can't refute and you want to demonize them no i'm demon i'm i'm demon no i'm refute i am denying people who ah. uh there's an idea and so you can't you you have no argument against it really so you, what you've got to resort to is saying well you know, this idea leads to this, or these people do this thing a certain way, or, you know. So, like, could an example of that be, like, well, Augustine is a bad guy. <laughs> it could be. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> that's my denial. I, I've, I've experienced a lot, of, um, a lot of that in the past week. By um, going down the wormhole? By going down the wormhole. Of debates? Of, yeah, of certain debates of certain people and it's just been um it's been it, it, does one, anybody specifically thing, do that that you're denying <laughs> yeah what's um, his name i don't know if i want to say it. uh are you talking about latent flowers yeah i'm talking about latent flowers bro no. the, the the thing i think the thing about it is um two things so this started i showed andrew a video Monday, maybe. Yeah. And it got us both fired up. So then I proceeded to just go down the wormhole for the sake of learning his different positions, different arguments, different ways that people go about interpreting different scriptures. The problem I have is two, two things. One is just the whole, the first 
like half of a video and and like every single when he, when he's on a video of his his response to any sort of challenge is some sort of it doesn't go back to scripture it's some sort of you know insult to <laughs> calvinism or to calvinists like not insult but like some well, sort of like people right as opposed to going back to the scripture and actually trying to refute it but then when you go back to the scripture what he'll do is not actually go and, and, and exegete the scripture that you're talking about. Which is what we talked about last week or the week before when we were saying the text should speak for itself. Right. Right. So we don't want to take a passage here and a passage there and a passage there all out of context to push a meaning. Right. But we want, what is the passage saying here? Right. And then let's go to that passage and what is that passage saying there? Yeah. Put it all in the context <laughs> of which it was written. Yeah. yeah. So, um, not to, uh, not to demonize anybody on the show, but man, no, we would that love, was something that was. I would literally love for yeah. Layton Flowers to be on our show. Yeah, I know we're a nobody podcast, and he has a is pretty a large following. Big deal. Yeah, but he's got a whole ministry around debating, and so right. If Layton were to ever hear this, we would love to have a conversation with him. Yeah. Because as a person, we love him and would love to talk to him. Um, but, but, yeah, we that, deny. That was a deny. <laughs> we deny some of the stuff that he does. So, um, all right. Yeah. I agree. But not so as to not end on a sour note. Mm -hmm. I have another affirmation. Oh, good. So, in our intro, we always talk about how people can further connect us and support us mm -hmm. through the link in our show notes. It goes to our link tree. And there you can go to our Facebook group. You can go to our Instagram, Twitter, all of the socials. But then you can also financially support us. And we have had people that have been doing that. And that's awesome. And yeah. we are super grateful to those of you that have done that. What that has done, just so everybody knows, uh, that's not lining our pockets in any way. We don't want to do this. Like, we both have jobs in ministry, and we want to continue to have jobs in ministry. That's what the Lord's called us to. Our our desire for this podcast is just to, kind of what we say every time, to bring the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. Mm -hmm. And this is just a, another way of us being able to do that. And so those of you that do support us, uh, what that goes to is being able to reach more people or more effectively reach people. So we've had some people give and we were able to buy some stuff um, for our studio, if we want to call it that. But now we're going to be able to have guests on the show. Mm -hmm. um, we can have, right now, we've been limited to just me and you. We can only have two mics set up and it's got to be in studio. But now... We're able to have people call in or to do pull the audio from like Skype interviews or Zoom mm -hmm. calls. So now we can start having some guests and uh, and we've got some pretty exciting things lined up for you guys. Um, I've got a buddy of mine that's going to be coming on in the weeks ahead. He is a bivocational pastor and we're going to be talking to him about Preaching and Preachers, which is a, a, a book written um, – but we're going to kind of look at pastors and what makes a biblical pastor. What? How do you know if you're called to be a pastor? So we're helping are, the SBC. We're <laughs> are there people that are pastors that should not be pastors? Yeah. Um, why have so many pastors been getting out of the ministry over the past couple of years? That kind of stuff. So that'll mm -hmm. be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And then also... Today, I reached out. Andrew doesn't know this yet, so mm. you're going to find out at the same time that he does. Mm. But today, I reached out to Dear Woke Christian, who he's got a podcast and a YouTube channel. Uh, he's in the, the Bar Network as well. And I asked him if he would come on our show so that we could talk about Booker T. Washington. Mm. And he said he would love to. Oh. So that's pretty exciting, too. I uh, get to have that conversation as well. So... um Big things coming in the future. Yeah. I think it'll be exciting. And uh, so thank you for those of you that are financially giving. That's what you're giving to is us being able to just continue to do this and, and reach more people with the truth of the gospel. So with yeah. that said, let's jump into today because I'm excited for this. Um, disclaimer up front, this is not 
original thought from me or Andrew. Uh, I heard uh, Andy Wilson, he gave, he was at a conference and uh, was talking about this topic. And this topic, I've been thinking about it more and more and told Andrew, hey, we need to do a show on this topic. And that's what today is, biblical pirate ships. And so we're going to jump into it. But before we do, I'm going to start off with a Chesterton quote. This is from his essay, Man in the Field. He says, The state of things is growing worse every moment, for all human institutions slide downward like a landslide, unless they are perpetually forced upward by criticism and reform. It is vain indeed to speak of conservatism in this world except as a convenient party label. Unless we are always changing things for the better, they are always changing themselves for the worse. And so this is kind of getting at the heart of what I want to talk about today. I know biblical pirate ships, you're like, okay, what's this going to be about? I want to look at institutions and I want to look at conservatism. Conservatism? Yeah. Um, what are we conserving? What is an institution? That kind of thing. So let's just kind of jump into it. What is an institution? Uh, an institution is a um, system or organization set up for the purpose of accomplishing a common goal. Yeah. And if you look up just the definition of institution, a society or organization founded for a religious, educational, social, or similar purpose. And so when God established people plurally, he also established institutions, right? Uh, there are a bunch of different types of institutions. But um, one of the things I want to look at is what are institutions? What are we conserving when we conserve institutions? Uh, examples of institutions. So you've got churches, and they are established institutions. You have schools. Those are institutions. You have businesses. Those are institutions. Um, there's a whole lot of examples when people come together, families are institutions. Uh, but when people come together, when they come together as a society or they organize together, um, for a religious, educational, social, or similar purpose, you've established an institution. But as we're going to kind of delve into all institutions will and must die every single one. They will and they must die because people are immortal. Human institutions are not. They will all one day die and they will be put into the ground. And so I think it's important from the onset that we understand that fact that people are immortal. The moment we are created, we are created as immortal beings. We will always exist after our creation. And whether that's with the Lord for all of eternity or separated from him for all of eternity, we are eternal beings. The institutions that we establish in our living and society, um, they are not eternal. They're going to all perish, right? Um, the churches that we're a part of are going to one day cease to exist. The schools that we establish are going to one day cease to exist. The government systems that we set up are going to one day cease to exist. Uh, all the businesses that we create are going to one day cease to exist. Those are all things that are, they are mortal. They have a end date, right? So uh, that leads us to a question of what are conservatives conserving? Yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, ideally, you want to be conserving something that is um, biblical. So I think conservatives today assume that what we are going, what we are conserving is the old traditions, and those old traditions are biblical. So therefore, if we conserve the old traditions, then we are conserving something biblical, and that's what we want to do. Yeah. Um, so in a more general sense, but though. But I mean something different in other places. In a more general know. sense, though, we are conserving 
institutions, right? So yeah. even in, in what you're saying, you know, we, we want to conserve these biblical ideals and values and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But really what we're fighting to conserve is the institutions that we've established, right? right? So when we talk about uh, religious liberty or religious freedoms, we're trying to conserve the right to have religious institutions, churches, mm-hmm. right? When we talk about um, schools or things like that or the government, you know, you've got most conservatives are voting Republican. Most non-conservatives are voting Democrat. And if you look at the political landscape today, the conservatives are trying to conserve a institution set up on biblical values and Mm -hmm. biblical morals and things like that. Whereas the Democratic Party is, is trying to establish an institution with a different set of ideals and beliefs and values, right? Um, so when, when you look at conservatism, we're, you're looking at people that are conserving institutions. Uh, and, and with that said, institutions in and of themselves, they're a good thing. Uh, churches, schools, businesses, denominations, all of these things are going to die, though. And we have to understand that. But the people involved will live forever, So with that said, properly understood and maintained human institutions exist to protect and amplify our own abilities as men and women in our quest to fulfill our obligations as image bearers of God. And so what that means is institutions exist as an aid to men and women in their pursuit of faithful living, right? Like that's why we create institutions. Um, ultimately, that's the the purpose of them. And in doing that, that's a good thing. So we're not knocking, if you are a self-proclaimed conservative, we're not knocking that, right? Because institutions, they exist as an aid to men and women in their pursuit of faithful living. Mm-hmm. But the problem arises uh, when all institutions begin to pull participants into service of the institution. Uh, So what happens is each institution has its own center, right? And kind of when you look at the the galaxy and our solar system and stuff like that, um, different planets or even the moon or the sun, they have gravitational pulls, right? Institutions are the same way. It's got its own gravitational pull. And institutions, which is what Chesterton was getting at, institutions have this pull as well. And, uh, and what they do is they pull participants into service of the institution. And what that does is it displaces the true center of the institution. So think about churches, right? Churches were created for the purpose of um, existing as an aid to men and women in their pursuit of faithful living. Uh, and, and more specifically to loving God and glorifying him forever. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that's the, the purpose of people. And so churches are there. Um, it's a collective body of believers to display God's glory to, uh, a society around us. Right. Um, but the institution itself has this natural pull to, uh, to pull participants into service of the institution. And so uh, it displaces the center. So the question that that leads us to, and kind of what I want to look at and discuss today is, what kind of institutions are we conserving? Uh, Are they faithful? And if not, then they need to be destroyed, Mm. right? So um Let's look at some institutions and look at what kind of institutions they are. Yeah. So when we look at the government today, what would you say is the focus of the government? Um, right now, I'd say the focus of the government is control from the top down. Yeah. I mean, now, it depends on what you're wanting to conserve. I think the structure of the government, the the 
honestly, the structure of the government is the reason why we don't have a top-down dictatorship right now, I think. Right. You know, so that I would say that is something that is founded on biblical principles to yeah. conserve. But then just, you know, if you then go and say, I want to conserve the government for the government's sake— or for the sake of the United States, as opposed because the United States is itself an institution, <laughs> right? Um, as opposed to for the sake of glorifying the Lord and living a faithful life unto Him, then you know you run into the problem. Yeah. So. so there's this idea of plastic sofa institutions that I want to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening, you've probably had somebody like this, or <laughs> you might be like this, where I know. I've been in houses before and my grandmother even had, uh, you had a formal living room, which is, that's like the really nice living room that nobody goes into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, it's got you're, all the, yeah. yeah, it's got all the vacuum cleaner yeah, lines. It's got the vacuum cleaner yeah. lines. The carpet's fresh. It's been there for 30 years. Yeah. The carpet's brand new. <laughs> and and then they've got a, a sofa in there, but the sofa has this plastic cover over it. Mm-hmm. And, and the purpose of the plastic cover is not because it's comfortable but because it's going to conserve the sofa, right? Right. Um, And so what you end up having is the purpose of a sofa is for people to sit on and to provide comfort and a place to sit and all of that. But in these formal living rooms, you've got this furniture there, and it's there for looks but not for use, right? Mm -hmm. So we're taking what the sofa was created and intended to be, which is a comfortable place to sit, and we're making it less comfortable by putting this plastic over it, but the plastic will conserve it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of what I have in mind here when we're looking at these plastic sofa institutions. And what you've got there is that Anytime an institution starts to receive the service and sacrifice of its people, you're in danger. And therefore, Christians are always in danger because we're always serving and sacrificing. Mm -hmm. Because institutions are created for people and we're called to love people, right? So Christians are always serving and sacrificing. But once that happens, uh, you're in danger because the institution and its leaders start to think it and they deserve the service and the sacrifice. So uh, like what we're talking about with America, America is an institution, and uh, but what we see biblically is that the king exists for the sake of the kingdom mm-hmm. uh, or the church leadership and its ministries exist for the sake of the sheep or the father exists for the sake of the family. As long as the alignment is pointed at the right thing, it's a good and healthy institution. But as soon as that alignment starts being pointed inwardly and the church now exists for the sake of the institution to continue it to exist, mm-hmm. you have the plastic sofa institution, right? Or the government exists for the leadership to gain more power and control. Right. You have a plastic sofa institution. Because then all of a sudden the people exist for the government. Right. Yeah. So then you've got this couch that was made to be sat on, mm-hmm. but we don't want to sit on it, right? And then the grandparents pass the couch down to the kids or the grandkids, but now I've got great-grandmother's couch that nobody's ever sat on, so we're not going to sit on it because we want to preserve it. Right. So now I've got this couch that goes down the family tree, but nobody's actually ever got to sit on it. <laughs> and and we're using a couch as a, a, something to look at and say, look, at least we've still got the couch, right. even though it's not being used for what it was created to be used for. Mm-hmm. And so then you have the end of the world, zombie apocalypse happens, and— there's this nice couch that's sitting there, but nobody can sit on it because mm-hmm. we don't want to. Now it's been it's been around for so long that we don't want to sit on it and actually cause damage. Mm-hmm. If I sit on it, we've had this couch in our family for 300 years. If we sit on it, it's going to start to get messed up and be destroyed, and we're going to be the ones that killed the couch. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So conservatism for the sake of conserving is not in and of itself healthy. And so that's what I want to kind of push against is this plastic couch institutional conservatism. Um, but um, 
the more biblical way to think about institutions is this. Institutions were made to be spent. God has given us institutions um, when Adam and Eve were created. So you've got Adam and he can do all the things in the garden. He can, you know, work and hunt and fish and name the animals and hang out in the garden and do all of the stuff. But God looked at him and said, it's not good for him to be alone. I'm going to make you a helpmate. And then he makes the helpmate and he establishes government, he establishes family, he establishes the church, because now we have these people that are living life together. And in that, the establishment of institutions comes, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if if we understand that institutions were given to us by God as a good and healthy thing, but they were given to us not just to conserve and have, to say that we've kept them, but they were given to us to be spent. So the better understanding, instead of the plastic sofa institutions, we need biblical pirate ship institutions. So if you think about a pirate ship, what is the purpose of a pirate ship? Um, to wreak havoc in the Atlantic? It is, yeah. <laughs> the purpose of a pirate ship yeah. is to make war and, um, and, and to give, you know, the, the military that was there— um, to wreak havoc, you mm-hmm. know, but that's what Christian institutions should be doing in the culture today. We should be making war against the culture, against the thought of the culture, against the ideas that are being pushed forth. And and if you look at where we're at today as a society, if you look at where we're at as a religious institution in America, if you look at where we're at, where we're at as a political institution in America, the reason that we've gotten to where we are is all the institutions that the Lord has given. I feel like I've said institutions like a million times hmm. because I have. It's okay. <laughs> but all of the it's ones- an institution counter. Yeah. Yet when we get this new thing set up, then there can we be. can like ding it every time. <laughs> but all the institutions that the Lord's given us, he's given us for the purpose of engaging the culture with the truth of the gospel, you know? And, and so our love and loyalty is not- to the institution itself, but it's to Christ alone. And I I think that's the shift. So if we understand that the church the Lord has given us is a pirate ship and it's made to be expended, we're going to treat it differently than we are, hey, we just need to preserve this. Right. You know, so, hey, there's this hard time. Uh, I don't want to take my pirate ship into battle because if I do, it might take a cannon hole. And that could damage it. Right. You know, uh, what I want, the the Lord's given me this pirate ship and I want to save it for a thousand years and put it in a museum. Mm-hmm. You know, we're being bad stewards of what the Lord's given us. He's given us a pirate ship because it's made for war. And God has given us the family and churches and government for the purpose of a spiritual war that's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so... In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, I'm going to read a passage real quick. Luke 14, 26 says this. It said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And we read that passage and we don't take it to heart what it's saying. But what that's saying is we have to reject everything else for the sake of following Christ, Mm. right? So my love for Christ is far greater than my love for my wife or my family or my mother or father or even myself. Mm -hmm. And, And when I understand that, it helps me get a grasp on the idea that institutions are made to be spent, you know? So for me, one of the ways that this steps on my toes is that my family was made to be spent for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I want to raise up my boys in a way that they can engage the culture with the truth of the gospel, regardless of what it costs them. Um, My natural desire... 
uh, and, and by natural, I mean, not God given, but my, my sin nature, my desire is just to bubble wrap my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to treat them like the grandmother treats the sofa. I right. put the plastic over them so that the world can't damage or penetrate or hurt them in any way. But that's not what God has given me. God has given me arrows of righteousness to send out into the world. Mm-hmm. And when you look at arrows of righteousness, the time I'm shooting arrows is when I'm at war, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my kids are given to me as an instrument of war to engage the culture with the truth of the gospel. Yeah. And um, and so we should be raising our children as such. Mm-hmm. Um, the churches that we have, we don't want to just see them continue to exist. We want to see them engage the culture with the truth of the gospel. And so the past couple of years, you've seen where a lot of these plastic sofa church institutions have been crumbling because they don't want to take their pirate ship and engage in warfare because then the ship could get hurt Mm -hmm. or people on the ship could get hurt. It would be like if you had pirates on this pirate ship and they're like, hey, there's a naval ship and it's got a lot of gold on it. Let's go take it. And everybody's like, well, no, we could get hurt doing that. You know? Right. or the, or the excuse would be, well, we need to save it for the bigger battle that's going to happen right. some other time. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works. Exactly. Though, you know? Well, and the thing about a pirate ship is if it gets holes, it can be mended right. or it gets destroyed and you get a new pirate ship. Right. You know? And, but that should be the ideas of churches. So like if you, if you went to the average church goer today or even the average pastor and you said, okay, you've got two options. One your church is going to exist in a thousand years just the way that it is right now. You know, uh, you can have that option or two, your church in a thousand years is let's say 20 years. All right. <laughs> so everybody can be on board with this, um, analogy. So your church in 20 years is going to be the exact same way that it is. It's going to have the same amount of people. It's going to be teaching the same thing. It's going to be doing the same thing. It's going to have the same ministries, all of that. That's your church in a thousand years or 20 years or two, your church in 20 years is going to be completely destroyed. The building won't be standing. The people, let's say 80 years, all right? 80 years is a little bit better. Um, In 80 years, your church, the building's not going to be there anymore. The people that make up your church now are going to all be dead, all of that. But your church will have started 20 churches. Yeah. And there's now going to be, instead of, the 200, 300 people that you have at your church, there's going to be 4,000 people. And your your church is actively engaging the culture with the truth of the gospel in 20 different locations now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's what a pirate ship biblical institution should look like. Yeah, It's not about us and it's not about our buildings and our ministries and all of that. The church exists for the purpose of the sheep. Mm-hmm. The king exists for the purpose of the kingdom. The father exists for the purpose of the family. And um, and so survival is not the goal. Faithfulness is the goal. And if we are captaining pirate ship institutions and we're not leading plastic sofa institutions, survival is not the goal. Faithfulness is the goal. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, you can see this take place in the last two years where you had churches that were shut down for a couple of weeks, but then you had churches that were shut down for one and two years. Mm-hmm. And what they were saying was, if we don't shut down, the government's going to shut us down. So let's go ahead and shut ourselves down. Right. <laughs> You've completely... That's, that's uh, yeah, it's you, forfeiting the battle. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want the government to shut us down, so we're going to shut ourselves down. Right. You know? Um hey, the king just put out a mandate that pirate ships are now illegal in these waters, so we might as well go ahead and dock, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's not what Christ has given us the church for. Mm-hmm. He's given us the church to engage the culture with the truth of the gospel. He's given us the church to be the body of Christ to the people around us. And so if we understand that the buildings that the churches meet at are going to all crumble— 
that's not what the church is. The church is the immortal people that gather together to display the glory of God and be the body of Christ to the community around them. And, and the way that we make that happen is we don't allow the ministries to start looking inward. Like if you look at the average American church today and you look at the ministries that they have, how many of those ministries are inward focused versus outward focused? Mm -hmm. But we've got to preserve those things because that's our traditional values. Right. You know, so um, God has given us these pirate ships to go to war the thing with that is that some ships and some people on them are going to sink and be destroyed. That's going to happen, right? If I want to engage people with the truth of the gospel in Afghanistan, I have to count the cost and I have to do exactly what Luke says. And I have to love Christ more than my life or my family's life. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I have to understand that engaging these people with the truth of the gospel could be very costly for me. But in doing so, it reaps a far greater benefit because if I go overseas and I start sharing the gospel and I, I start a, a little tiny church of five people and then I get killed and those five people reach 20 people and those 20 people reach 40 people and those 40 people reach 100 people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the gospel is still being proclaimed and the truth of God's word is doing exactly what it was created to do. It's wreaking havoc in the culture with the truth of the gospel. And in our culture today, truth is non-existent. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no such thing as morals. There's no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as all of this stuff. But as Christians, we know the truth and we know why we believe what we believe and we know why we have the morals that we have. It's not just an arbitrary, well, this is right and this is wrong because most people say it is. It's no, God is the creator of all things. He's created us and he said that this is right and this is wrong because these things that are wrong hurt us and these things that are right help us. Mm -hmm. And so if we're doing these things that are wrong, there's a punishment for that because we're hurting our brothers and sisters that were also created by God. Right. And, uh, And so- we have to understand that, that if we go to war, some ships and people are going to sink. But if you look at Jesus, Jesus lived for 33 years and then was executed. And that was considered to be a huge success, mm-hmm. you know? Right. But we just want to conserve and we want to preserve things instead of being faithful. Mm-hmm. Jesus, 33 years on life and then was killed. We uh, are, are the complete... We want to do the complete opposite. You know, we want to live to be 100 years old. We want our uh, kids to live to be 100 years old. Right. You know, we have this idea that if we preserve it well enough, it's just going to continue to last. But it's not, and we're not. We're going to mm-hmm. die, but we're going to raise with Christ. Right. You know, and our institutions are going to die, but that idea of pointing people to Christ is going to continue. So Mm -hmm. like the verse that I opened with, when it talks about giving blessings to a thousand generations, a thousand generations from now, they're not going to remember me. Mm -hmm. They're not going to know who I am. 20 generations from now, they're not going to know who I am. But if I'm raising my children in the admonition of the Lord and teaching them to raise their children in the admonition of the Lord, in 20 generations, the Lord's going to bless that generation of my descendants. Right. And that's going to be because of the Lord allowing me to be faithful to him too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, our churches, our family, our kids, our government, our schools, they're all pirate ships that the Lord's given us. And our call is not to preserve the exoskeleton that's dead and dying, but to preserve the mission. And that is what will live on and bless future generations. So that's kind of what I want to see. Conservatives, uh, conservative Christians, uh, I want to see us conserving and preserving the mission, which is to obey and glorify God and not preserving this exoskeleton that we just have attachment and affinity to. Yeah. You know? So like when I go back to Luke, 
where where it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So as a disciple of Christ, we have to love him more than all other things. And, and that means our country. We should love Christ more than we love being an American. We should love Christ more than we love our skin color. We should love Christ more than we love our political views. We should love Christ more than we love our family. We should love Christ more than we love all of this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to do that, we can't be wanting just to preserve everything. Right. Uh, we need to preserve the idea. But like we said, once the institution starts to look inward and want to just preserve itself, that institution needs to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And, and so you look at our country and there's a lot of people that are scared that our country's falling apart right now. That might be the best thing for our country because God has not promised that the America as we know it right now is going to rule and reign for a thousand years, mm-hmm. you know, but he has promised that the church will prevail and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. Right. Uh, he's promised that his people will prevail and they will be the body of Christ to the generation that they're in. Yeah. And, um, so I've, I've given a lot. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, I think it goes back to like, for me, the biggest thing is, um, the idea of spending something versus, um, keeping it for another time, you know? Um, so I I mentioned a, a little bit ago that the temptation for many would be, well, what, and I've actually heard this said before, what good is a church that is, you know, dead or not dead, but like a church that doesn't exist anymore. Like if we spend what we have now, then if a battle comes later, you know, we're not going to have anything. And the thing about that though, is just what you were saying is that ultimately the Lord has promised us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so what that means is that we are to be faithful with what we are given acting in what, um, or acting with in sync with what the Holy spirit is leading us to do might mean going into the thick of a war, you know? Right. Um, and if that's what ultimately is, um, what we have to do to be faithful to what the Lord's called us to, that's what must be done. And it's kind of like what you were saying a minute ago, the goal is not survival. The goal is faithfulness, you know? And so the Lord ultimately is sovereign over all things. You know, he's got all authority on heaven and on earth. So, I mean, if we are acting in faithfulness to him and we get shot down, then he's still sovereign over the next battle. You know what I mean? Like that should not be, um, an excuse or a concern. So, I mean, when COVID happened and you had these churches who were shutting themselves down, you know, I, I, and they were using that excuse. Well, if the government shuts us down, then we won't have a church here anymore. Yeah. The, having the church there is not the point. Having, having people hear the gospel and, um, come to faith in Christ is the point, you know? And even in doing that, Um, like that goes back to the Chesterton quote, when the state of things is growing worse every moment for all human institutions slide downward like a landslide, unless they are perpetually forced upward by criticism and reform. Right. It is vain indeed to speak of conservatism in this world, except as a convenient party label, unless we are always changing things for the better, they are always changing themselves for the worse. And so when you look at, that example that you gave, if churches are saying, well, listen, we're just, we're not wanting to have this fight right now because our church could get shut down. Um, so we're going to go ahead and close the doors. And also we don't want any of our pirates on the ship to get injured, mm-hmm. you know? So we're going to look at the, the word tells us that the church is the saints gathered together physically gathered together, physically taking the Lord's Supper together, physically doing baptisms together, physically sitting under the preaching and teaching of the word, physically 
worshiping the Lord in song and in prayer and in teaching and in fellowship together. We, we understand that, but we're going to shut down because the government's told us that we have to. What that's doing is it's weakening the institution of the church and it's strengthening the plastic sofa institution of the government. Mm-hmm. But if we become the pirate ships that the Lord has called us to do, that also biblically strengthens the government and puts it back in its right place and understanding that the king is there for the kingdom, right. not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so with COVID specifically, you had the king, which the government has gained a lot more power than it's meant to have. And it's used the excuse of COVID and protection and and the kingdom, mm-hmm. but it's become there for the king. Right. And not for the kingdom. And <clears throat> so when we are being faithful with what the Lord's given us, he will replenish as he sees fit. Yeah. And if some of us are on a pirate ship that gets destroyed or canceled or whatever happened, you know what I mean? Then we're doing so faithfully. But we're trusting the Lord each day with what he's given us that day. Mm -hmm. And so if I say, if I have this fight now, then I can't fight later. But if you're not willing to fight when you need to fight, you're not going to fight later on either. Right. You know? Um, And if you're not willing to stand on the word for small things, you're never going to stand on the word for big things. Mm -hmm. But I would say the government saying that the church can't do what scripture says the church has to do is a big thing. Right. And, and, and so that's something that churches should stand on. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of churches, not a lot, there were churches that did, they did stand on that. Uh, some of them, it took a little longer than others, but then there's a lot of churches that just completely rolled over and mm-hmm. they weren't willing to have that fight. If that's the case, they're not going to have a bigger fight later. Right. You know, when you look if, at the if results, I back down from a small bully, yeah. I'm not going to back down from 10 big bullies. And you look at the results of back like, down. right. <laughs> <laughs> but like the churches, a lot of the churches that stayed that were faithful to the Lord um, are doing great right now. The Lord bless them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So even then, like this idea that I'm not going to have the strength for this next battle. The Lord provides yeah. what you need, you know? And, and it challenges the idea of, well, what does a church look like? Right. Do I have to have this big building where there's 3,000 people gathered together? Or can we be smaller groups of people that are a church that are more maneuverable and less susceptible to the government closing us down, mm-hmm. you know? Or what does the school look like? Am I going to be indoctrinated by the the current government in public school or should I start having my kids in homeschool or go to a Christian private school or do this or that? You know, we have these institutions that we're just trying to keep for the sake of keeping them, even though what they're giving and providing isn't actually helping. Mm -hmm. And so maybe some of these things need to be destroyed and, but that's fine because the Lord is going to give us what we need on a daily basis. And it might not be the institution that we know and cherish. It might be something else. But if we are following faithfulness rather than preserving and just existing, um, then we're going to look more like Christ at the end of it. Right. And that's my hope is for anybody that's listening, that our desire is not just to survive, but to live a faithful life, however long that may be, with what the Lord's given us. Because that's when he'll look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. But we need to understand that we are pirates on a pirate ship. We're not grandparents with a plastic sofa that we just want to have to have. Yeah. We need to use what the Lord's given us for the purpose of it. I think about that with my house. You know, we have a couch, we have furniture and our kids destroy it and the dogs destroy it and all of that. But it's being used for what it was created for. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we need to do with the institutions the Lord's given us. Use them for what they were created for. And they are not the thing in and of themselves, but they're pointing us to the mission. And the mission is the thing. Yeah. So the mission of my sofa is to provide comfort for the family. 
when it ceases to do that, it ceases to be needed and then it needs to be taken out back and burned and destroyed, mm-hmm. you know? But as long as it's providing comfort for the family, it's doing what it was created to do. Churches need to do the same. Families need to do the same. The government government needs to do the same. Christian businesses need to do the same. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we shouldn't just be chasing more numbers or more money or more whatever. We need to be expending ourselves for the purpose of the gospel. Yep. So that's what I got. Yeah. Anything else to add or we covered it all? Yeah, no, I mean that, that was good. Well, if you're still here, we love you guys. I uh, hope that you have a good Lord's Day. And we will see you next week with another episode. That's right. Have fun on your pirate ships. That's right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.